Hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> I didn't see you there. Hey, how's it going? I think it's good. How are you? I am okay. It's kind That's... of a gray, cold September day. Yeah, we're having that in New England, too. It, it was raining, but it's raining less now. Yeah, I tend to picture New England like that. Yeah, I guess sometimes there's snow. I guess it was mm. really warm this summer. Uh, um, so I'm nervous because we did this before, and I meant to listen to the old ones, so I just didn't say <laughs> the same exact shit this time that I said last time. Um, but I didn't. So I don't know if you remember the conversation we had, but I might just like have all of the same thoughts and opinions that I did two years ago. Yeah, this was, um, it was episode 51. If people want to go back to that, that was way back in April, 2016. And I can tell you some of the things that we talked about because I'm looking at it on our site oh, right yeah. now. We talked about creepy pasta. Okay, cool. We talked about Nirvana tribute bands. Oh, yeah. Did I tell the story of the cool Nirvana tribute band that I was in? Yes. Yeah, you did. Okay. Um, I won't tell that again. And we talked about uh, your podcast. And I think we talked about, yeah, the creepypasta we talked about was like mostly about like, like video games and stuff. And actually, um, the story that I don't know if it came up at the time, I imagine it must have, but you had written that that story that was partially inspired by creepypasta i think and that's actually in a book now that people can read oh yeah yeah totally um there's a book that uh so let me prepare you for one of the themes of my life that will be a theme in this conversation too which is that i'm super overwhelmed and not keeping up with anything um like i haven't listened to woodland secrets in forever i just like Anyway, all of which is a preamble to say, yeah, there's a book coming out. That's what's it called? Meanwhile, elsewhere. Does that sound right? Yep. Yep. Meanwhile, um, yeah. Casey was on um, a few weeks ago or like a month or two ago. Oh, right. And we talked about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was um, that was back in May. Whoa. Wow. That was a while ago. Um, but yeah, we yeah, talked right? about it. It's called Meanwhile, Elsewhere. And um, at the time, I think it hadn't come out yet. And now I think it is actually out. Um, that yeah, sounds true. Or it was published, like, Goodreads says yesterday. But oh, who nice. knows? So, um, yeah. So that story, which is about <laughs> uh, The Legend of Zelda, is is in there, which is super cool. Yeah, there's some, there's some Zelda stuff. Do you want to hear a behind-the-scenes story mm-hmm. about that story? Like, inside the writer's studio mm-hmm. type stuff? Um, so... I had a story that I was working on that I was stoked to send in for that anthology, but it wound up kind of spiraling out of my control and being like way too long. And um, the editors who are also friends of mine, they were sort of like, no, 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 like we'll take it, you know, just, just keep working on it, whatever. And I was like, no, this is like, this is an over 10,000 word story. Like this is kind of inappropriate for an anthology and they were stoked on it, but I never quite like got it to the point where I wanted it to be. So I had sent it in and they had accepted it. And then I like pulled it back. I was like, I actually don't feel like this is in a place I can publish it. And I sent in this story instead, which is called gamers. That's in the anthology now. Um, and got some really good feedback from, I think I will from both of the editors from Kat and from Casey. Um, and then just like, there was really good ideas about like, Oh, like we could really like deepen this relationship and make the impact of this thing that happens later in the story more effective. If this, if there were like, you know, just really good ideas about how to make the story stronger. And 
I was like, yeah, that's great. And then I just didn't work on the story or take any of the suggestions. And so it's the exact same story that I had been reading at readings for like four years. Um, so that's cool that I did that, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever seen the film called Gamer? Uh, no, I don't think I know anything about it. Oh, okay. Um, it's stars Gerard Butler and also stars Ludacris, Terry Crews, and John Leguizamo. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's it's like about a future where people play like FPS games with real people as their like avatars. Um, uh-huh. it, it, it's terrible. It was terrible, but um, sure, sure. But yeah, I just thought maybe. Um, but yeah, no. Um, so that book is like out, and people should buy it. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes because I had an advanced review copy, and it's oh, um, yeah. it's super cool and. Um, yeah, that's exciting because I had read that story like, God, years ago, and I think yeah. the, the only other way to get access to it before now was to go to one of those readings. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, um, that's awesome, and so many things have happened since <laughs> since the yeah, last time you're on. A lot of stuff. I mean, globally, yeah. nationally, yeah. personally, um, we don't have to talk about any of of the global or national stuff necessarily. Um, we're, we all know what we all know. We all- know um, all those things we all yeah. know um but yeah so many things you moved uh you feel like moved, moved around a bit yeah i think you moved and you moved back probably yeah what happened i was i was living um i was living in like a nearby where i lived so i was living in new england um i moved to la to be a big deal like hotshot writer for tv um i was out there for like five or six months and then i moved back so i'm back to new england now um and yeah, I like, I keep thinking like all this horrible stuff is, is happening in the world. And I keep coming back to this idea of like, I got to write for Laverne Cox though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel it's so surreal and incredible to me that I got to go write for this show. Um, you know, on like CBS on TV, it's bonkers. Yeah. Um, did I, do you, I probably didn't, I don't even know if that, this whole like scenario was on the horizon last time we talked because it sort of came out of the blue for me. Um, I guess, God, how to tell this story. Um, like, do I tell the, the, the more like exciting mystical version or do I actually like tell what really happened? Okay. So what happened? I can just tell kind of the truth as it happened. Um, there's a, Oh man, and now I'm getting too excited to even tell it right. Okay, there's this guy named uh, Tom Phelan, who is a young trans guy who's an actor. He was on the show called The Fosters. Um, and I guess he read this book that I wrote called Nevada, and he gave it to his parents for Christmas. And they read it, and they were like, we need to have this person come right for this TV show that we're starting to do. And so they got in touch with me and they were like, Hey, do you want to come out to LA in a week and a half to write for a TV show on like the CBS lot? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. That's cool. And so we talked about it and it's like, it was a ridiculous amount of money that they were paying me. Although what I've since found out since I came back is I actually lost a ton of money. Like I'm super in debt after doing this project because I had to basically move out to LA and then move back. Um, but that's, fine whatever anyway yeah i like i got to move out to la and just be like in a fucking tv writer's room with like a bunch of professional tv writers who had written for like law and order and like 
Elliot Gould was in our show and I wrote a scene for Elliot Gould and Judith Light where afterward Judith Light was like, you're an incredibly talented writer and I'm so glad I got to do this scene that you wrote. It's just like so surreal and incredible. Um, plus, yeah, I got to like, oh man, do we, do we know whether Laverne Cox listens to this podcast? I'm fairly confident that she doesn't, but she may not. there's, you know, it's possible. Any, anything's possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Laverne, if you're listening, I apologize for, for spoiling this, but yeah, my goal sort of, so it was like a 13 episode season that we got. And the way that stuff works is mostly like one writer will sort of bottom line an episode. And so my episode was episode 11. So it was later in the season, which was great because I didn't know shit about writing for TV, right? When I got out there, it was really good to be able to like be in the room and be like kind of working on stuff that people had written or whatever. But by the time we got about halfway through the season or like uh, three quarters of the way through the season, I was kind of figuring it out and, and being able to write scenes and like contribute to people's scripts. Um, they do... I don't know how much of this is common knowledge. They, they do like a table read where you would get the script to a point where all the actors could go around a table and read it out. So people could like, you know, say, I don't like this or just kind of contribute thoughts to it. And so my goal was always to make liver and cry at the table read. Um, <laughs> so I was like, um, you know, this is a chance to do something cool. And so I think I did twice, which was incredible. Um, just to, she sort of, she came in towards the beginning of the season and she was in the writer's room, like talking about what we were like, the, the showrunners were kind of like, what would you like to see your character? Who's this like high powered, like trans lawyer, um, in New York, like what kind of a character arc would you like to see? And she was like, honestly, I would like to see my character have like a straight relationship with a guy that is not like terrible. And I was like, I think, I think we could do that. And we had some terrible ideas that she was like, that's dumb. Like we were talking about um, I was sort of like, I don't, I feel like the show will grind to a painful halt if we start having like trans one-on-one conversations on it. I was like, this sounds like it'd be so grueling. And so how do we avoid that? And I was, um, we, we had kind of kicked around the idea that like, what if her character is dating a guy who has dated like a trans woman one time before? And she was like, I don't trust that. She was kind of like, oh, that's like a pattern that like feels gross to me. And so, um, the challenge then became like, how do you do a TV version of a like straight guy st- or straight cis guy, straight trans woman relationship um, without it being just terrible? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I hate most of the media about trans people, right? Like it's usually so frustrating and that's probably not fair. I feel like that's an opinion that I forged like five years ago and I haven't kept up with all the cool stuff that's been coming out. Um, Anyway, the whatever. I feel like I'm kind of talking shit, and I don't need to be talking shit. I just, it was cool to be able to be like, okay, like, how do we show this relationship, and how do we have it be real, and how do we have it be hot, and how do we, like, you know, have them have a fight that gives depth to their relationship, and how do we have him, like, apologize in a way that, like, makes me not hate him? It was just such a, I guess, like, my experience with writing, right, is that it's all very solo. Like, I do it myself, and I'm kind of always thinking about whatever story it is I'm working on, even though I haven't published anything in a while. I guess that's not true. I have a book that came out yesterday, huh? Um, But I'm kind of always thinking about just, like, character and motivation and what would be interesting and, like, how to to kind of complicate a thing in a way that would be compelling. And 
um, it was a really just a wild thing to be able to get to do that with other people in the room. Um, like as a job <laughs> that like paid you a lot of money is bonkers. And so, yeah, so I think we did a really cool thing. Um, the problem was that the show got canceled after two episodes and nobody watched it. <laughs> and it like was kind of a, a complete failure in a lot of ways, but also like, I don't know, like, we still made a cool thing. Like I still just, I feel stoked that I got to do that. You know what I mean? Um, and like be in a writer's room and potentially like do that again sometime, depending on what my life looks. And like, I don't know. Now I like sort of have an agent who is a connection in Los Angeles, which is bonkers. You know what I mean? It's just, it's all still so surreal. Um, but what I can tell you is that, I, I, I owe a lot of money. Right. And so I'm like, what's the best way to get a lot of money when you have a connection to an agent in Hollywood? Right. The answer is of course, to write a screenplay and sell it for like a million dollars. Um, so I, Oh man, I shouldn't even talk. About, are you still even there? I feel like I'm just monologuing. <laughs> like, I'm, really I'm totally kind of... here. Yeah. I'm listening okay. intently. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah. I feel like this is a really scattershot monologue. The upshot is that I made a tweet a while ago with, with, that was like, do you remember the Nintendo game balloon fight? I do. Okay. So I made a dumb throwaway tweet where I was like, I'm so stoked for this upcoming like gritty steampunk reboot of balloon fight. <laughs> and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I think I'm currently working on a like anti-imperialist, like gritty reboot of Balloon Fight as a film. Um, <laughs> okay, so Balloon Fight for people who aren't aware is a video game where uh, you are a small person with balloons <laughs> attached to your body, which help you fly. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to sort of make it through all of these hazards um, without by flapping your arms to sort of fly yep. um, without getting your balloons popped, correct? Right. Yeah. Like the it's it's from the original Nintendo Entertainment System. So it was one of the first video games I ever saw. So it's kind of got a special place in my heart, even though it's pretty goofy. And yeah, you're a little person and you have like a goofy little like 1920s football helmet on and you have two balloons and there are these monsters who have these long, like cone shaped faces. Um, and you kind of have to come in above them to pop their balloons before they can come in above you to pop yours. And if you get too close to the water, like a shark jumps out and eats you. And sometimes there's lightning that can kill you. Um, it's just like really kind of rinky dink in this way that it's <laughs> super goofy to be like, okay, but what if, it was a movie starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt that had a lot of like really like balletic, like Cirque du Soleil, like, you know, flying violence. <laughs> and then it sort of inverted the like white savior, like dances with wolves avatar trope in an interesting way. And I don't want to talk about it too much because I feel like talking about mm -hmm. a project that you're working on sort of deflates the the energy that you oh, have for absolutely. working on it. Um, but yeah, that was a weird thing that came out of that <laughs> opportunity to go to LA and write for TV was so I was like, well, I've never written a screenplay for a movie before. Like maybe this is a good first one to do. <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm really looking forward to watching the Balloon Fight movie in like three years. <laughs> cool. Yeah, thanks. I assume yeah. it'll be Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I'm going to see, you know, Paul W.S. Anderson, who mm-hmm. did the, the Resident Evil movies. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I should write it first, but I assume it's going to be huge. I mean, how could it not be? It's yeah. going to be, I mean, video game movies uh, are good, right? <laughs> Have, has Traditionally, there ever been a bad one, Merit? I can't I think, think of it's... a single bad one. I mean... <laughs> um, now I'm worried that I, I said exactly that same sentence on the last time we had this conversation. <laughs> I've never seen the Super Mario movie, and I don't know if I ever will, honestly. Yeah, that's probably fair. I don't, I don't think need I to. Ever... Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, so I have this podcast about movies, mm-hmm. right? Um, and... I forget whether I told, I probably told the story. Anyway, the upshot is that I, I did 30 episodes of it and I was like, uh, okay, this is exhausting. I need to take a break. And so I was like, uh, this is episode 30, the end of season one. Um, and so I've been sort of like slowly cobbling together what season two is going to look like. Um, and one of them, so the way that my podcast is set up is I'll take a, like a sample from the movie. I'll like take, um, you know, record some sound from it as the introduction and then play the theme song and then start the podcast. And I was watching the Mortal Kombat movie, which mm. has like some of the worst CGI like in history, but otherwise it's like a really fun, stupid movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was actually having a nice time, but there was one point where two people were just fighting for like four and a half minutes and like techno music was playing and it was it was really like uncomfortable to think about sampling that whole thing and making people listen to it. And so I haven't gotten around to making the podcast about that movie yet, but I think that's in the post for season two. I also, I paid Annie Mock like actual money to do a cover image for my podcast (laughs) this season, which is really exciting. Um, So yeah, so I'm stoked to get back to talking about movies and especially video game movies. Oh my God. Mortal Kombat is actually, I think, one of the best video game movies ever made which i mean speaks to sort of the genre as a whole but like (laughs) it's fun it's really goofy there's like really bad jokes um totally the acting like robin show is like pretty good christopher lambert is like not bad (laughs) kind of a confusing casting right he was raiden yeah 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 but yeah you know did you ever see the sequel no, but I know. Oh that my it, god! Is it fantastic? It's like it's so much. It's just like the, the much more. Much. It's just like a lot more. It's <laughs> doing a lot more. Um, there's a centaur man, which I like. He's like, oh, yeah. he's like very goofy. Um, there's a scene. <laughs> my favorite scene in that movie is like when all of the villains and heroes confront each other for the final battle and it sort of like cuts from like hero to villain to hero to villain they're all like facing off and just like making these like goofy grins at each other like <laughs> we're gonna fight now it's mortal Kombat time oh man that sounds amazing yeah robin show is a robin show i think is the only person who uh who came back for that one sure. yeah um god bless but uh yeah no i mean <laughs> That one is like te- definitely like I'm up in my top, you know, my faves. Street Fighter, I really I love seen that one either. Oh God, please do Street Fighter for your podcast. I said, well, here's the problem. I, I'm in competition constantly with how did this get made, and they did a Street Fighter episode, and so it's challenging. Yeah, I know that is tough. Um, that movie is yeah. kind of heartbreaking because it was Raul Julia's uh, right last film, 
Yeah. And um and it's dedicated to his memory and it's like, wow, <laughs> this movie is so bad, but he put his heart <laughs> into it and he's just like do, hamming it up and doing this incredible job. Um, but he's you can tell he's like, you know, already wasting away like in the film. But um Oh man, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot. There's actually a Wikipedia article I've discovered called List of Films Based on Video Games. So Oh man, that sounds like a good research (laughs) material um, yeah yeah for real um but yeah i haven't had any time to do any of this stuff because uh i have a kid now yeah oh my god oh my god (laughs) this is so exciting and incredible Uh, yeah um it's it's awesome we're kind of we're keeping him off social media for the most part i think Mm -hmm. i posted a like slightly blurry picture of him on twitter not long after he was born um but yeah just like man it's weird. Like, I feel like I've had a really weird relationship to social media for a bit. Like I haven't been able to use Facebook in years. And lately I haven't even really wanted to be tweeting or anything, which is probably for the best. Cause I've been so busy between, uh, after I came back from California, I, I've been working as a social worker. I um, went back to the job that I was doing before I left. And between that and the baby, I just like, you know, I have so many things that I want to be doing. I have so much writing to do. I have like revising of stories that have been in- accepted to anthologies and podcasts to make. But instead, I'm just like tired all the time and also staring at my baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also like, I feel like it's complicated to talk about your kid and try to make it compelling for other people. Cause really, I'm just like, <laughs> I love your pudgy cheeks. I just want to squeeze your <laughs> face. Um, which like, you know, doesn't really like translate necessarily to like social media stuff i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah we were we were trying to get pregnant for a really long time and i was off hormones for a bunch of years um and it sort of didn't wind up working out that we were able to get pregnant from uh my gametes but we still found other ways to make a baby it turns out and so we made a baby and now me and my partner have a baby and it's fucking better than twitter dude it's good <sighs> like <laughs> yeah baby baby versus twitter it's it's gonna be baby yeah. every time i think you know? so especially now that twitter is just a fucking nightmare it's so bad i mean i'm not it's... on facebook anymore i quit about a year ago i deleted my oh, account. smart yeah um, and you don't even need a facebook for tinder anymore which is cool um uh-huh. but i still am on twitter and um <clears throat> i honestly it's like mostly good for me i think still the bad yeah. parts of it for me are when i just keep refreshing compulsively um yeah but yeah. like yeah i've been able to use a lot of different tools and strategies to basically cut away all of the bad stuff that like i uh-huh. don't need to see um That's but man it, it's work though it is work to call all that stuff yeah and it's hard because like part of the reason that Twitter is such a nightmare is because people are talking about very real things that are also super terrifying. Um, I've had a ton of anxiety. Um, so yeah, so I was in LA and the episode that I wrote, we finished it up like the last day of shooting for my episode or maybe the second last day, but the last day that I was in LA was the night of the election. And so we were all like filming and on, on, um, on set and then the results were coming in and everybody's like, uh, Oh no. And it was like looking grimmer and grimmer. And then I drove across the country and, which is basically like being in space for five days. You know what I mean? Um, so it was just super disorienting. And I feel like ever since then I've sort of been like, Oh, this is so grim. And like, I've written about it and I feel like 
to some extent, I don't know, like, who cares? The upshot, I guess, is, I mean, not who cares, like, shit is fucking grim. I, I've just been, like, kind of freaked out because I have a baby and they're, like, doubling down on not believing in climate change in a way that's, like, bonkers. And I'm like, what is this world that we're going to, like, kid is going to have to live in and having terrifying anxiety dreams about it. Um, and then, however, okay, this is another thing I wanted to mention on the podcast. I'm stoked that today is the day that we're recording it because I have been on a weed timeout. Um, I, I hit the wall where smoking weed before bed stops like reducing anxiety and starts increasing my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, I, I, today is like day seven of a weed timeout and I'm so lucid. Um, and it's funny because the day after I was like, you know what? I'm not going to smoke weed tonight. I was tweeting all this like (laughs) self-righteous bullshit. And I was like, Oh man, I've been off weed for like 12 hours and already my like (laughs) self-righteousness is really cleaned up. But yeah, it's been overwhelming. It's been super overwhelming um but yeah like stoked to be on a podcast with like a i also don't really drink so i'm like super like straight edge right yeah, now yeah yeah it's like where the the self-righteousness is coming from too mm. you know i do know i do yeah. i'm like yeah i'm kind of on that train myself right now yeah yeah i just like i don't know i haven't been 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 smoking weed i um, I haven't been drinking really. I haven't been going out much. Um, yeah. Which is, there's a line between like, oh, it's good to save money by not going out and drinking. Uh, yeah. And, oh, I'm like not leaving the house. <laughs> like, um, totally. So like, you know, threading that needle is uh, yeah. is critical. But yeah, like not drinking as much for me has been good, I think. Um, yeah, totally. My dad actually stopped drinking like it's coming up on like three or four years um Uh next month like he was a heavy drinker his whole life and like just went cold and uh has not had a drink since then which is like incredible um and so like when that happened like i guess i sort of reflected on my relationship to that stuff too and like Uh yeah i just like don't um i don't know just the older i get i guess the more just like i get tired immediately after having yeah, a drink and then totally, like the next 100%. day is just like ruined like i'll have two drinks in one night yeah and like the next day i sleep until noon and i feel terrible the whole day and i'm like yeah this seems like this shouldn't <laughs> work this way but it yeah. does and it's also like this is dumb like why yeah. am i doing this to myself yeah i mean yeah. when it's fun that's one thing but when it's just like awful like oh this is just yeah there's no no upside to it yeah totally and i feel like part of it is getting older and, and just like your body can't handle it anymore, at least for me. But also just when I was younger, it also like, I don't know, I've had really bad headaches my whole life and just never had the like insight to connect, like, you know, drinking a little bit to getting a headache. It like just didn't even occur to me that those things could be correlated. And yeah, it was about a week ago that I was sort of like, okay, I'm having like a beer sometimes and then feeling like shit. Like, why do I continue to have a beer sometime? Like, I don't need to be doing this, you know? Um, Weed still rolls, though. I'm still stoked on (laughs) weed. But, you know, it's funny. I I wrote that book, Nevada, which has a a huge stoner character. And um, I've never been that much of a stoner. Like, I feel like... um, Whoa. Yeah, it's just, like, never really been my thing. I mean, I've always, like, 
like smoking weed, but I'm useless when I'm high. So like, I can't do it that much. You know what <laughs> you, I mean? Like, I, I mean, can't... you strike me as someone who's very much into the weed culture. Yeah, 100%. Like all the accoutrements and gestures surrounding weed more totally. so than weed itself. I think weed jokes are hilarious. And I think <laughs> like dumb butt rock rules and mm-hmm. um, like crust punk is probably my favorite subgenre of like hardcore music. And that's definitely like, well, maybe not definitely, but like probably the stoniest of ones. But yeah, just not, not that much of a stoner aside from, you know, using it to like reduce anxiety or I guess like make the Eric Andre show funnier. <laughs> you ever watched the Eric Andre show? I have. <laughs> are you a fan? Um, yeah, I haven't seen much of it, but I've liked what I've seen of it. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of indefensible in in some ways, but also, man, watching that by myself is a good time. <laughs> but again, <laughs> I feel like that's like weed nonsense, like goofball, whatever, mm-hmm. weed culture stuff. God, do you remember Marijuana Simpson, the Twitter account? <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> what was the tagline? Can you imagine what if, if Homer, Homer Simpson, Simpson smoked <laughs> weed? Can Homer it's do not... it too? Can Homer do it too? What if Homer Simpson smoked weed? It's not too difficult to imagine, right? <laughs> Man. God, that was Remember? three years ago. That was Holy a lifetime shit. ago. It really was. That was when Twitter was fun. That God. was when the world was less dystopic. God, that was... Okay, I don't even know how you would read it at this point. I th- yeah. The Twitter account must still be up, but if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, search like Marijuana Simpsons. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, the whole script actually is up on Scribed, I think. So, oh, yeah. Um, did you just look it up? I did, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, the entire script, which was tweeted out like over the course of a few months, um, <laughs> totally. and is like fucking enormous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can read through the whole thing. So. And I mean, not to be pretentious, but I feel like that type of shit, that type of like bonkers audacity um, is is consistently compelling to me in, in narrative terms and like kind of classic POMO, like merging the high and the low or whatever, like treating low culture seriously, like that kind of stuff was what was going on in the 90s when I was kind of coming to consciousness around criticism or whatever. But I feel like consistently in my life that type of shit right somebody being like i am going to spend a lot like put a lot of work into these like this sustained weed joke on a like low culture platform like twitter is just so exciting to me and and i want to connect it back to the idea of like what if a steampunk reboot of balloon fight (laughs) was a real thing you know what i mean and like making a hollywood movie is different from making a twitter account but i feel like that's the type of stuff that just makes the world feel cool you know mm-hmm. what i mean or that's a type of stuff i guess i shouldn't say that's the only type of stuff but yeah that that fucking audacity it's just so stupid and so like i don't know yeah, yeah no, that was, stuff that like was that. i feel like um some creepypasta and stuff falls into that same kind of category of just like just yeah, running like, with something um just taking it to like it's logical just like just stretching it to conclusions it was never meant to go to yeah totally <laughs> Um, sorry, I was, I was laughing. So I was thinking about like what to talk about when I was on here. So I wouldn't just be like silent and boring. Um, okay. I'll just, I'll skip to the joke. Okay. <laughs> I I was thinking about proposing doing uh, an episode of dad feelings, the, mm-hmm. the other podcast that you do about God. Oh, 
but I don't know that much about God. So I feel like I'm not the person to do the dad feelings about God. <laughs> I mean, you must know something. I maybe I know a little. Wasn't there? There probably still is there. Why do we? I feel like when I talk to you on these things, like you coming back to Twitter and video games, which are like not actually that big in my life. But wasn't there a like Twitter account that was supposed to be God where it was like God jokes? Uh, there's Maybe this one that's just add God. <laughs> what happens at that one? Uh, I want to look it up, but I have this very loud keyboard. Do you have a mechanical keyboard? I do. I have Ooh, a fancy mechanical keyboard. Fancy. Yeah. yeah. No, um, it's just a meme account. Um, yeah. And then sometimes complains about United uh, Airlines. Oh, that, uh-huh, sure. And um, sometimes talks about Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, this is just someone who got the account at God and, uh, (laughs) really early on and has like 240,000 followers now. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Good for them. I'd be rad if the Pope was one of the followers. Oh my God. He's on Twitter. That was a thing. The Pope is on Twitter because, um, the only way that I know that is because of that period, like last year where everyone was tweeting, fuck me, daddy at the Pope. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, teens are pretty great, as it turns yeah. out. Teens are good. Teens are better than the rest of us. I They're think, probably. better people. It's true. also probably worse in a lot of ways. They're more. They're just more. They're more. They They're experience more. life to a degree that those younger or older than them could never can can only recall fondly or imagine. Yeah, well observed. <sighs> Thank you. That's the true you. thing about teens. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking about God because, um, <laughs> I was thinking about God because, um, I've been, I've been sort of, do you know, um, the Reverend William Barber, does that name mean anything to you? I does not. Okay. So I heard him like randomly on the radio a couple months ago and he is, he's, uh, I'm not sure what kind of reverend he is, but he's a reverend in North Carolina who, um, did a lot of work in resisting like sort of the Republican t- extremist takeover of North Carolina that they've been really working on for the last, I don't know, decade or longer, maybe. Um, but he was talking about things like um, having people from different backgrounds coalition to do like political change work. And he was talking about um, uh, just the ways that poverty plays out and the way that race plays out and all these things. He was on the radio and he was talking about these things in a way that felt like just super smart and on point and i'm like not that i'm the judge of of this fucking really smart man who's been doing really important activism to say whether he's smart or not but it just really resonated with me right and i was sort of like this feels a lot like a lot of queer discourse to me that's trying to do better but i feel like queer discourse kind of keeps failing right like we keep kind of not living up to the goals that we set ourselves and I was trying to like, I've been kind of fascinated by Christianity in a way recently, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the, um, and, and not in a way, like I, I know there are a bunch of people who know things about like theology and that stuff. And I don't really feel like I know anything about that. I didn't study philosophy. I don't really know how to talk about these things. But um, I mentioned before, I, I'm a, a social worker in my day job. And so I do social work and I do therapy and I work with people who are really struggling. And there's just, there's something that feels super healing about the idea of the universe having 
whatever. This is, I, I haven't smoked weed in a week. Merit. Let me tell you about <laughs> love and the universe. But there's, there's something really powerful about, um, there's a psychology guy named Carl Rogers who's sort of central thing. Maybe I talked about Carl Rogers last night. No, we would have noted it if I had talked about Carl Rogers, huh? Probably. Probably. I don't think we did. Okay. So he's, he's kind of my dude. He's this like white dude from the 1950s who, do you know B.F. Skinner and behaviorism? Yeah. Those things. Okay. So he like hated B.F. Skinner. Mm -hmm. He was like, behaviorism is garbage. Um, the like subjective experience that somebody have is really has is really important. And his sort of like modality of doing therapy was like, what if I sit down with the person I'm working with and I'm real with them? Um, and like have unconditional positive regard is his sort of his go-to phrase about it. He's like, how can I sit with somebody in a real way where like we're having a real relationship and we're talking about real things, but instead of kind of bringing my judgmental self or like whatever other bullshit that I would be carrying around with me, what if I sit here and give very real unconditional positive regard? Um, and so it, it winds up being this really powerful thing. And just thinking about the way that that can be healing, even in the short term to like be seen for who you are and to be sort of like, you know, respected for you are in just these ways that like we don't get to have otherwise. And imagining like, what if that was God, like, what if that was just around? Like, what if we could actually feel like we were seen in the world? And it, it's, you know, I, I was Methodist until I was like 13, which is like a kind of pretty chill flavor of Christianity, I think, like a relatively nice one. Um, but sort of left it behind and never really thought about Christianity because I was sort of like, well, if I'm going to be like a weird, like, punker, and then later if I'm going to be a weird, like, queer person, it seems pretty clear that that's not consistent with like a, a Christian thing. Right. And I feel like what's become really apparent in the last year or so, and stop me from rambling. I know I'm all over the place right now. Um, maybe I need to smoke weed to focus my thoughts. Um, but what's become really apparent, right. Is that this version of evangelical Christianity that's, that's dominant. That's like Trump's base. This whole thing is like bullshit Christianity. It's just like not based on, on empathy or giving a fuck about anyone else. It's like super capitalist and it's super, um, maybe individualist is the wrong word. Anyway, the upshot of this thing is I've sort of been like, I've been frustrated with queer discourse because I feel like there's such an, uh, a, a strain of individualism mm -hmm. or like sort of that kind of stuff that I think really tends to get a shot in the foot, um, in terms of like accomplishing goals, right? Like, uh, I don't know any number of examples about why, like, we have these really high goals and, and while we accomplish things, right, we, we resist and we do stuff and we take care of each other. I feel like, I don't know, I, I've been a little bit let down by queer discourse. You know what I mean? And it's interesting to see this, this version of Christianity that's sort of been on the rise in the last decade or so that, you know, when, when I got William Barber's book, it's called the third reconstruction. Um, I went straight to the index at the back and looked for a transgender to see, like, to be like, okay, can I actually trust this guy? And it wasn't there, which is like, okay, that could have been worse. Like you don't mention trans people, at least you don't have any bullshit to say, but he talks about gay people as part of their movement. And it, it's just this story of the last like 15 years of them coalitioning between like workers' rights groups and um, racial justice groups and, you know, any number of these groups, which on their own are, are relatively small, but together they, they really accomplished a lot in North Carolina and thinking like, I don't know, maybe my like 13 year old rejection of Christianity is 
kind of knee jerk in a way. Mm. I don't know. I'm exploring it. I, I don't feel like I'm identifying as a Christian <laughs> yet. I don't know. Talk to me in a year, but it's, it's, I don't know. Like I, I keep coming back to this question of like, where do we go right now? Like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and in my little town, like we can do protests, but we're in a relatively like progressive part of new England. And so it's a question of like how much of, you know, us showing up downtown with signs is really accomplishing anything. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot just about like what that type of coalition could look like. And I don't have any answers about it or anything. It's just, I don't know. There's another piece of it about, did you, do you know Rebecca Solnit? Mm-hmm. Um, she has a book called hope in the dark that, uh, my partner Alex got for me when I was really like anxious and depressed in the early part of this year where she talks about like, look, every revolution that's ever happened, they didn't know that it was going to work at the beginning. Right. Like we can all look back in history and be like, Oh, like that was inevitable that like this revolution would happen. But when they were coming up to it, it's like, this could really fail. This could blow up in our face. We could all get killed. And so I don't know, just like thinking about what moving forward in this country can look like and thinking about, I don't know, what can queers do? Like, what does it look like to broaden the base of progressive trying to do work? And, you know, I have no idea. I guess it's just shit that I'm thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that all really resonates with me though. Um, I, yeah, actually like, like two years ago, I just like lost my mind and like went really deep into Simone Weil. Um, oh yeah, and was just reading like a ton of her stuff and was like, maybe, maybe I'm like a Christian mysticist now. Like maybe that's yeah for me. Um, did not happen. Um, but I've sort <laughs> yeah. of been like, you know, like flirting with with those kinds of things for the past few years. Um, and um, yeah, because it is weird, right, to be. I think to be in these spaces where like a lot of people have very understandable aversions to totally to organize religion while at the same time, like beyond a certain point wanting to be like, okay, well, like, yes, like, and this is also like this really powerful force for good and liberation. Um, maybe not in the places that you come from, um, but right. like in other places around the world. Um, and like, and there's this tension of like, also, this has been this really powerful force for colonization. Um, totally. And like, it's so, there's so much going on because it just is one of the like most powerful world historic forces. Um, yeah. But I guess, definitely. yeah, I've been thinking about things that like, that go beyond um, individualism because I feel like for all of appeals to like, to collective movements and things um in queer spaces like there is this fundamental individualism that i think is just because like if you are a subject in like late capitalism you have inherited this like you know hundreds of years of yeah of this like idea of like a rational subject who is like an individual actor um yeah and you can't just you can't just like brush that off and be like no i'm not that that's mm-hmm. like in your language um that's in your like way right. of thinking and so thinking about like obligations and like i've been realizing like how much of um how much of a knee-jerk reaction i have to the idea that i have like obligations to people um beyond you know my very close circles or or like 
you know, that you can be like compassionate or, or that you can like be working with and for other people, but like, oh, you have an obligation to people. And like, I think that's something that's worth exploring more. Like, like what would that mean to, to take that stuff seriously and to not be able to just like, um, to yeah, have like an obligation of care towards people totally. broadly, even when they do things that you don't like, even when they fuck up, even when they like hurt you. Um, and like that gets tough really quickly and it gets into some like yeah. really muddy territory, but like, it's so important to think about, I guess. And like, I don't know, just even in my behavior online, I've been thinking about this in like the past little while, like I've stopped, um, uh, screen capping people or quote tweeting people to make fun of them or to talk about how yeah. bad their ideas are or to do anything <laughs> yeah. because I've realized like, especially online, like with that kind of stuff. And I guess I'm getting a little off track, but like, no, no, this is great. I'm so fascinated. But there's like always going to be people there. If someone says something dumb, there will not be any shortage of people like willing and able to, to yell at them for it. Yep. Um, if there's someone I know, then I'm going to talk to them. Um, mm-hmm. and if they're not, then I'm clearly like not invested in, like, if I'm not invested in their personal growth, then, like, the only reason I could be posting this thing about how bad they are is to, like, increase this kind of feeling of solidarity amongst people who identify with, like, being a good person. Um, right. Or to, like, increase my personal standing by, like, you know, riffing on them. Um, totally. And I'm not interested in doing that anymore. Like, I was for a really long time, and I think it's a really easy thing to do and like i don't necessarily blame anyone who does it because like those those structures encourage that kind of behavior but like it's fucked up and like i'm i'm sort of that's one instance i guess of where i'm thinking about this stuff totally yeah it's it's fascinating right because i don't know like like there's that individualistic component of like benefiting off making fun of somebody in that way right but it's complicated because I don't know, thinking about, I was talking about that unconditional positive regard earlier, right? Like capacity is so limited. Like the the way that social media plays out is there are so many people there that like, you know, my capacity for care or for respect or for having a conversation about things is really limited, especially mm-hmm. in relation to the number of people that I would like to talk to in a compassionate and like, you know, uh, a manner consistent with unconditional positive regard. Um so yeah, like the question then is like, I mean, it feels like what this sort of the the blossoming of social media as a thing or whatever in the last 10 years has done is, is really, and people have probably written about this in much smarter ways than I could talk about it, but, you know, has really increased this sense of individualism, right? It's consistent with that uh, discourse of individualism over the last however long and really like kind of feels like it's, um, oh, what's the word? When it's like two to the power exponentially mm-hmm. has like exponentially really increased just the way that this stuff plays out. Yeah. And thinking about like one of the things that William Barber has written about is sort of one of the goals of nonviolent resistance is to take your enemies into and make them ultimately into friends. Right. Because you're sort of making them see the the error of their violence. Right. And, you know, that feels like a really idealistic goal to me. But also, like, I don't know, thinking about the connection between that idea of, like, 
nonviolent resistance and unconditional positive regard. And really, you know, it comes back to like almost like a, a love your enemy kind of, and not almost, it's, it's like a love your enemy kind of thing, right? From straight out of Christianity in a way that feels fucked up to try to be like, wow, that's something that resonates with me. That would not have resonated with me at 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Is, do we have a theme of like getting older and wiser going on in this conversation? <sighs> Maybe. Gross. God, I'm turning a certain age. Sure. I'm yeah. going to be of, As a, am I. Uh, of a certain age um, yes. in a, a little under four weeks. And uh-huh. I'm having some feelings about that. And, that sounds understandable. Mm-hmm, and um, yeah, I guess in ways I do feel like I am learning and not just running in the same circles as I was five or 10 years ago. And in other ways, it feels like things are, um, you know, that doesn't make everything easier. There are like other things that are like much, much harder. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. Stuff in conclusion, <laughs> getting older <laughs> is a land of contrasts. <laughs> Once again, well God. observed. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. God, God. Do you do you want to move on to the only segment that we do on the show? Yeah, totally. I do. And that segment is called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Uh, that name came from. Do you know Michael DeForge? I do. I mean, he, I, not not you personally, know of but, him. Yes, and we, yeah. we I believe we follow each other on Twitter. He he. Um, originated that name nice. uh, we didn't it was unnamed recommendations segment before that and, <laughs> uh-huh. and he really just knocked the ball out of the park on that one yeah that's um, really good so in this segment we recommend things to our listeners and um they can be uh media places things food anything really mm-hmm. and i always leave it up to the guest whether you would like to go first or whether you would like me to go first. Um, I would like to go first. Fantastic. Um, so my recommendation is actually a Twitter account, um, which may be dorky, especially how many times <laughs> I've been like, I don't want to live my life on Twitter during this conversation. But, um, and I believe it's a Twitter account that, you know, um, I think it's someone who I met through Nick, the show's producer. Um, do you know uh, Goldie underscore Ice? I do. Okay. So I've never met her in person. Um, I think that she maybe first, like she contacted me before I contacted her on Twitter because she read Nevada and liked it. But she's just like, I mean, I shouldn't say she, right? I'm talking, I'm recommending a Twitter account. Her Twitter account is one of the smartest, like, funniest things that I've that I know about like I I don't know anybody who's on the same level as her um I believe in real life her name is London but Mm -hmm. Goldie underscore ice is the name of, of her Twitter account and she's like so smart like the way that she talks about um like race and class and trans stuff she'll do a thing am i doing this segment right am i yeah this this is perfect yes great okay cool um the she'll she'll like go to the reddit uh transgender 
the transgender subreddit where people have posted questions and she'll, we are talking about not being dismissive and mean, but the way that she'll be dismissive and kind of mean about these dumb questions really kind of rejects the premises that they're asking often. And just really like is, is one of the things that I think we've touched on a couple times in this conversation is how much I love it when something can be really like kind of vernacular, like low culture while still, um, low culture is a loaded term, but can, can just be really kind of, uh, what's the word on like puffed up. What's the word that means not puffed up Unassuming, something like that can be really chill, right? Like not, um, conceited, um, spacing on the word. <laughs> I almost made it through the conversation without losing word. Anyway, she, she can just be kind of, um, informal and at the same time, so smart. And then also like, when when I heard that I was going to do a get wrecked segment, um, I was sort of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I think I looked at Twitter and she had posted this thing where she had this like plastic bag of hot peppers. And she was like, I brought this bag of hot peppers to work and I'm going to eat the whole thing. And then <laughs> she tweeted like a picture of her hand holding one of the peppers where she had eaten like a centimeter off the end of it. And she was like, this is so hot that I feel like I got punched in the face. I'm so stoked to keep eating these peppers. <laughs> like, oh my God, I feel like I don't even know what I would do if I was hanging out with you in person. And just like, you know, um, yeah, just somebody, somebody, a, a Twitter account that I'm consistently like thinking is really hilarious and really smart and kind of wishing that Follow Friday was a thing in the way that it used to be. So I could tell everybody mm. to follow Friday, this account, but it seems like people don't really do that anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. It seems you've kind of fallen by the wayside. It's not really a, yeah. a thing. Remember the good old days of Twitter? Oh, uh, when Twitter was good? Twitter was when never Twitter good. Was, it wasn't. It sucked. Huh. Um, but yeah, so that's my get wrecked. Uh, thank it's, you. It's that was the great. Goldie underscore. Thank you. Yeah, Goldie yeah. rules. Everyone should follow her. Um, yeah. Sick. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's, do you have one? Did you think of one or do you try I've to got provide? a whole I'm... list that I can choose oh, from. I actually just added one to the list mid-conversation because something reminded <laughs> me of it um i want to ask but i know that i don't get to ask right now sorry like what it was, i want to ask what it was that oh, you added i'm gonna do the i'm gonna do the to. one that i oh, added nice. so um because uh, what reminded me of it was oh we were talking about oh yeah when you were talking about like um that book uh the Rebecca Solnit book of like, oh, oh yeah. in the past, like, um, you know, successful revolutions, like the people in those moments didn't know that they were going to be successful. Um, right. That reminded me of something that, uh, that I was talking about with my girlfriend recently um, because she had like n- never really rod dykes to watch out for, um, uh-huh. which is going to be my recommendation, but I'm going to get to sort nice. of why. Um, and we like, we were going through some the other day, like I dragged out all of my, like the, the only other books I've seen that are in this shape are Garfield. So I always call them like the Garfield <laughs> style or like the Garfield sized volumes, um, yeah. the Garfield collections of decks to watch out for. Um, sure. and, um, there's a lot in them and this, the comic started in 83 and like. Mo is just like constantly freaking out about everything, and she has good yeah. reason to. Like, the bad things are happening all the time, and she is like always freaking out about them and always catastrophizing, and like always gets through them. Um, 
And like, there was something like weirdly comforting about reading these comics from the 80s about like all of the horrible stuff that is happening and like watching these like queer characters sort of live through that. Um, I think in just that it helped be like, oh, yes, like things are are often bad for people yeah. across history and like people find ways to work against those conditions or to like create these pockets of, of beauty and like survival. Um, also it's just very, very funny. Like if you haven't read the strip before, um, it's like extremely good, extremely like wig snatching in terms of just like, just Mo is like such a good send up of like just everyone basically. Um, <laughs> like all of the characters are interesting and like well-written in their own ways. Um, and yeah, like it ran for like, like 25 years. Yeah. Um, which is like buck wild. Um, and Alison Bechdel is just like constantly owning herself. Like, um, <laughs> because like a lot of her stuff is like, is Mo. Um, and like, she's talked about like in, in other writings about how like, she's just like putting her like really weird fumblings like her early lesbian fumblings into this comic um so also yeah there's so many good sight gags um that you could miss <laughs> if you just skip it but like there's so many like um like book titles and like newspaper headlines yeah. are all like very good like this is someone who like really like knew what she was doing with comics oh still does um yeah and if you if, you, if you're only familiar with her through like fun home or through, um, you know, some of her other later graphic novels, I would say definitely go back and, like, check out some of these. Um, because, again, very funny. Yeah, totally. Classic stuff. And they, like, they went up going to, like, Camp Trans at one point, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, also, on top of everything else, like, a survey of, of lesbian history over Absolutely, the last, like, 20 yeah. years. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, like, I think definitely if you want to get this sort of like overview of like you know queer culture events that happened in the last like 25 years um you know it's a really fun way of doing that yeah good good rect thank you oh she yeah. published something in november actually that was like where the characters talked about like what they'd been doing and talked about the election Oh, really? Yeah, wow. The amount of traffic to the new strip caused her website to crash. Um, oh, I think it, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I need to go I need to go read that. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that you get to do this research because your computer keyboard isn't super loud. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, all right, well, cool. do we have other segments? Can we do another segment? We can if you make one up. Can I do a segment where I recommend uh, like modern crust band? Uh, if you come up with a name for it, or it could just be a second recommendation. That's fine too. Oh yeah. That's just, a, that's the same segment. Huh? You, you can do that. We'll we'll allow it. No, I don't want to do that. That feels like it'll like cheapen my initial. <laughs> rent. Um, um, yeah, I guess I'm not that good at thinking up segments on the spot. Well, it's tough. It's hard work. Yeah. Way to think of it's, get wrecked. Thank you. I did prepare that one ahead of time. So um, I don't know. I think maybe that's maybe that does it for us on the show. Maybe yeah, that maybe sounds the show's great. Done. Yeah, I feel like I've said everything. We've that I said a lot. <laughs> I touched on all my talking points. You checked them all, all off like, on your notes. My vague and ill-defined talking points. Yeah. 
Mention a Christian minister from North Carolina. Check. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, the movie. Check. <laughs> and the sequel. And the sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, while Last we're talking about movies based on like fighting video games. Yeah, bring it full circle. Dead or Alive. That's, that's, I only know of that because it's famous for boob physics, right? Famous for boob physics. The movie is like completely. There's not- a movie? Oh, there's a movie. It's like completely nonsensical. Um, but cool. but like there's parts of it that are pretty fun. So it's Devin Yoki, um uh-huh. Jamie Presley, uh who else is in this movie? So um, it's like a like woman centric kind of movie? Mostly, yeah, yeah. yeah um cool. yeah, yeah. It's like mostly uh women characters. And uh I don't remember much of it. Like it's just completely <laughs> buck sure. wild. Like it just is just like bizarre. Um, but there is a really good sort of running gag where oh Kevin Nash is in it. Um, wow! Yeah, he plays the wrestler guy, which is incredible. Um, and so his daughter, like he and his daughter, are both fighting in this tournament. And there's this running gag where he like thinks his daughter is gay, but is like totally cool with it. Oh my God. Um, like and so at one point, like he like, I think he like want like walks into a room and like for some reason. She's, like, in bad with, like, this other girl. And, like, they're not actually doing anything. Um, but he's just like, uh-huh. oh, my God, I'm so happy for you. Like, I'll get out. But, like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. And she's just like, Dad, what are you doing? Um, but, like, <laughs> it's just, like, really good. Um, that sounds incredible. Yeah. So I think you should probably watch that one. Yeah, I want to. And that actually, that brings me up to a talking point that I missed, which is, I wanted to talk about the Magic Mike movies, but I feel mm. like we probably don't have time to get into it. So, well, I've never seen them, so I wouldn't have much to add, unfortunately. Oh, I man, should watch I have them. A lot to say. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you should watch them. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, highly recommend. I have it. heard that. I'm like, I have. Yeah, you know how it like it's annoying that every movie is kind of about masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really exciting that Magic Mike and Magic Mike Two XL are about masculinity because they do a great job with them. In my humble opinion. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to watch them one of these days. Oh, shit. What if T- Channing Tatum was in the gritty steampunk <gasps> reboot of Balloon Fight? Ooh, yeah. I'm going to write him a character. You should do that. Okay, great. Yeah, great. I'm glad that cool. we we worked that out, and I'm really looking forward there. to that. Um, and thank you so much for coming back on. Um this was, yeah. It was super, super great to talk to you. Um, it's been way too long, and hopefully it won't be, you know, another year and a half before you're back on. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. It's super fun to talk to you on the, the internet. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll talk to you later. Have a good night. Okay, cool. You too. Bye. Bye. Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes 
we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.